thank you for joining us and thank you for taking the time to download our little podcast. Welcome to the Overshare. I'm Gemma Atkinson. This, of course, is our safe haven of oversharing where we all come together to talk about the stuff that's often brushed under the carpet. Well, not here it's not. It's very much on the carpet. And this Overshare may leave a lot of us a tad gobsmacked. It is, what's a bit unconventional about you? Now, we asked for your stories, as always, and we asked, what is it that often surprises people about you in your life? And as always, you delivered. You never let us down. I love it. We always say this, right? It's not for young ears. So if you're with any young people, please put them away. <laughs> not just because there might be some fruity words in there, but because sometimes the topics may be tricky to explain. Coming up on this episode... When my partner proposed to me and we decided to get married... I said that I wanted a coffin at my wedding. Me and my husband haven't shared a bed uh, for 12 years. I can hear my husband snoring through our walls. Oh, like, God. it's that bad. <laughs> and it's like calling the boots in or something. It's like, it's horrific. Get everything. You're never coming back. We'll deal with it. And we started homeschooling my son. I said, we've, we've got dogs. He's like, okay. I said, and they do come upstairs and they do sleep in bed. And he went, well, for fuck's sake. He literally, <laughs> he was, he was, he wasn't really like into it. Abby's back with us. Are you all right, Abby? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Well, actually, I feel a bit sick. You do feel a bit that, sick, don't you? She said, oh, first, I feel a bit sick today. It's the lack of sleep. We've got us some water, though. We'll get you I've some peppermint water, tea. tea. Yeah. <laughs> right, with Abby and us and you guys, let's delve into the unconventional world of this episode's guests. share Katie now we have to say we had a lot of stories about people in their unconventional lives but yours stood out so so much to us yours is one of a kind tell us a bit about what's unconventional about you and take us back to your wedding day so when my partner proposed to me and we decided to get married I said that I wanted a coffin at my wedding um I am a funeral director um as my day job and I came into that after my daughter passed away in 2016 at one week old oh. because I had a really bad experience um, with the funeral directors that I used. So that led me into being a funeral director today. I even thought about being carried in the coffin down the aisle at one point. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but um, then I realised you wouldn't be able to see my dress as I walked down the aisle, so that wasn't... <laughs> that was the really only thing putting idea. you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I decided to have the coffin as my uh, table to sign the registrar certificates on. And then later on in the evening, we moved the coffin and it was then my cake stand as well. So, yeah, that's what's, I suppose, unconventional about me. I don't think many people would have had a coffin at their, at their wedding before. No. Um, and I know it's not seen as the norm and people were a bit taken back, shall I say, by it. But... I felt like that was adding a part of me into my wedding, which it should be. I mean, obviously, the, you're, a, you're a funeral director because you had a, a horrible experience. I think that's wonderful, by the way, that you've turned an experience that you personally didn't enjoy to help so many other people in your situation who can enjoy it. Because I've been to many funerals and we've come away and said, what a lovely service that was. And on the occasion, we've come away and said, oh, it was okay, but it, was a, you know, it could, have been, could have been a bit nicer. So obviously you're yeah. you're helping a lot of people because of your experience, which is great. 
with the coffin, where where is it now? What did you rent it for the day? Did you take it back to work? What what have you done with it? No, so I actually got gifted the coffin by my friend who's a funeral director as well. Now I've still got this coffin, but it's now in my front room. So, <laughs> so at the end of the evening on, on our wedding day, um, there's actually a photograph of me and my husband carrying this coffin out and putting it into the back of my car on the, after the wedding had finished. And we then took it home the next day and I, I put it up on show in my living room. Oh my because gosh. And what do, what do people think about it when they come round? Um, there's a lot of mixed feelings. There's been people that don't like to come to my house anymore. Because <laughs> it frightens <laughs> uh, they them. They don't, yeah, they say it gives them a weird feeling. And then there's other people like my friends who are kind of more open and just find it funny and think it's that's just me. They always say, we wouldn't have thought anything less of you to do that. So many people are afraid not to talk about it. They're afraid of it actually happening and it's inevitable, isn't it? People do not like talking about it. The only the only thing I'm frightened of it now, since becoming a mum, is I'm frightened of what you what I'll leave behind. That's that's my fear of it. Like I, I want to die now a really, really old lady so that I know my kids and grandkids are okay before before I go. Mm. Like the thought of my kids not having the mum or dad around petrifies me. Yeah. But the thought of me actually, it's not the thought of me dying, it's the thought of when I die. Like I want it to be way, way, way off. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, because like when my mum was diagnosed with cancer, one of the first things she thought was, what about my children? Yeah, and she would. And my Abby's not settled yet. She said that to the neighbour and I was like, oh. as if she's thinking about me. You do. But it must be like a very natural instinct for a mother yeah. to think, what about my kids? Every I time I, every time I go on a, a car place. journey, I think... Please, God, get me home because I need to be back for my kids. Because yeah. I never used to think like that. The older generation especially typically to seem to find that they will shy away from it. So, like, my mother-in-law is somebody who really doesn't like the fact I've got a coffin in the house or was having a coffin at my wedding. One of my aunties said she wasn't going to come to the wedding if the co- there was a coffin there. Oh, really? But was that serious? It, I was just like, oh, that's fine. It's one, one less mouth to feed. Uh, so... <laughs> It's a bit drastic and unfair, really, that, isn't it, Abby? To, to not want to go to a wedding because of something the bride has chosen. I mean, it's the bride's day. Yeah, I've always seen things like that, but may perhaps, you know, trying to look at it from the guest's perspective, like maybe it was a very triggering thing for her. And I think it's important that when we judge someone, mm. you stop yourself, catch yourself and say, OK, let me just put myself into their shoes and seek to understand the other person. And I think perhaps the guests could have done that a little bit more. Being a funeral director, do you have many, obviously what we'd call strange or unconventional, requests from from families? My day job is to make someone's funeral exactly how they want it. But yeah, I've had a lot of strange requests. Um, I've had a family make me dance to the grave with them. Um, oh. and it's, but I, I like that. Do that, the conga. You know, <laughs> Yeah, like, honestly, they have me dancing uh, through the cemetery, arms in arms with them, um, because they referred to to their mum who'd passed away as um, their dancing queen. Oh, so you know, so that was fitting for her. It's funny you say about people not wanting to talk about it. I already know at my funeral, I've told all my mates I don't want any of them to wear black. I want everyone to just wear colour, because yeah. I've, I've I've always said it's a celebration of the life I've had. I'm going to ask the coffin. Is it for you and your or your husband when that time comes? 
That is the plan, yes. Um, and that was also mentioned in the ceremony at our wedding. She said everyone can see today that Katie's brought a coffin with her. That is for Lee <laughs> when the time comes. Uh, Lee's my husband. So, um, yes, we. I have always said and kind of joked a little bit about it that it is for my husband when he dies um, or for me, depending who goes first, because we'll both fit in it. And I've also said that we can check every year that we still fit in it by getting in it every year just to make sure. It still you know, fits. If, if we're too big, then we know we need to lose weight then. <laughs> well, we, we, we shrink when we get older. So you might be both be able to go on it like Tetris. You could both fit in it because if you both shrink when you're older. But yeah, that was the the thought process behind it is what better way to go on, on, on your funeral to be in a coffin that was at your wedding. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Katie. It's very unconventional, but I bet there, there will be people listening thinking, I know I kind of get it. And, you know, death is a part of life. The marriage till death do us part. It's a, each day is about you. So it does yeah. kind of all fit in in a kind of unconventional way. Why conform to the norm? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Katie, thank you so much. I know you're busy, so thank you for taking the time out. No, you're very welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So we also have loads of um, messages and voice notes here on the Overshare as well. We do try and squeeze as many in as possible. So this is Melanie who messaged. Hi, Gemma. Um, here's what's slightly unconventional about me. I split up from my husband a few years ago and moved in with my best friend who'd also recently split from her husband. The kids stayed with my husband, so there was just the two of us. Um, we share the house, we share the bills, uh, and we spend our free time together it's all working well, we're happy, and uh, there's no man drama. I mean, is it a bad thing living with you, mate? I don't think it's too bad, is it? I think it's just very, very different. I think when something's different, people are going to question it. It's kind of a, not the worst idea, because if you think about how expensive it is to live as a single person nowadays, mm. but I'd be thinking, like, what happens for the two of them, whether I've had a conversation about what happens if you get into a new relationship, like, yeah. or someone else comes along, like that could throw the whole situation off. I guess it's what works for everybody, ultimately. I'm, I'm trying to think if I, if I live with, you know, one of my best mates, we'd have a whale of a time. But I don't think long term it could work. I'm not, and I don't know why. It's like a flatmate, isn't it? But Yeah, I think it really depends. And it's like, it's individual. Mm. And that, that's the thing. Is I think a lot of the time we judge people, but if they're happy, if it works for them, then who are we to judge it? Yeah. And it's obviously better than being married because, you know, the, the the marriage didn't work. Well, yeah. And actually, unmarried childless women are the happiest subgroup of the, of the entire population. Really? Yeah. So, and women don't need marriage or relationships quite as much as men do. And that might sound really sexist, but that's what research indicates. So, whilst men who are married will have better physical and mental health, it's not necessarily the case for women. I do get that. I genuinely do, you know, because I think from, I think sometimes women are more independent than, than men within a marriage. I think all men like to be needed and wanted. The, 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 it's a nice feeling, isn't it, to know that someone relies on you, someone depends on you, someone wants you. Whereas I think 
maybe I'm just speaking about me, Corker. Um, in, in my case, we will get married, but it won't change how I feel for him. I love him so much anyway. Mm. Whereas he sees it, I'm going to love her so much more. And I, I think, how? How can you love me more? Do you know what I mean? We, it's, nothing's going to change other than we'll have the same name. But it's so much more significant for him. Yeah, it must hold like more of a weight in his mind than it does for you. Yeah. Because you, you know you're very committed. Yeah. Is he like interested in the whole like wedding part? Is it, does he enjoy a party no, or he, any he'd, of that? he'd go to a registry office tomorrow and do it. He absolutely, he just says, I would love the fact that we've all got the same name. Yeah. That it's a family unit. Whereas I see the fact that we've had two babies is more of a commitment mm. than just me having his name on the end of... I mean, I always say to him, I can, if you want, I can just put your name on the end of it anyway. It doesn't have to be... No one needs to know it's not real marriage, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's like, no, I want to do it. But again, it's that whole... Maybe it's a security for guys as well. Maybe they just love the whole... It's secure, it's safe. But can I ask you... Obviously, you said men are more mentally happy, apparently, in marriages. Mm. Why do so many of them have affairs? <laughs> because is it not statistically... Sorry I, to, to throw them under the bus. Producer Matt, I know you're a guy. But statistically, they men have more affairs. And it's not, not... all of us. Not all of us, no. But it's just... Loads of women have affairs as well. Mm. I'm not... You know, women, we're not innocent at all. But if you counted it up on paper, yeah. it's more men than women. But if you put it on paper, more men are happy in marriages. So what's what's wrong with them? What are you doing? Happy Having those. the cake and eating it, clearly. Yes. <laughs> Having your wedding cake and eating it. Happy, tell us why. Why do we do this? Why, why do men do that? What's wrong with us? Well, it depends, obviously. It depends on the man. Um, sometimes... So there's a difference between men and women and in affairs as well. Obviously, we're talking generally. It's not always. Yeah, yeah. Women are more likely to have an affair if they're thinking of actually partner swapping. So it's more so of a, a, the a mental connection as well. Yeah, whereas men are more likely to have an affair even if they're happy. I'm not saying that all happy men have affairs, but they might have an affair even if they're happy in their relationship. So it could be that they're not being fulfilled in some way in that relationship, or it could just be that they're having the cake and eating it. It can just be that. So for for us, for, for women, it's like, yeah, they're thinking of jumping ship, in their eyes, moving on to something better, the grass is greener, yeah. this man can give me what my partner can't. Yeah. Whereas for a lot of guys, it could just be, do you know what, I'm, my wife's not, you know, giving me enough affection, we're not being intimate, I'm going to go and get that elsewhere, but I love everything else about my marriage, mm. apart from that one aspect. Or this other girl's giving me more attention, as in making me feel better about myself when we talk, so I'm going for that. Yeah. It's like... So that's why, Matt. That's, that's why. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> but also, On behalf like, of all no, men, Matt, not... sorry. <laughs> there, are, there are, of course, plenty of women that are having affairs too. Oh, it's gosh, closer yeah. than you realise. Yeah. It's not, there's not such a huge discrepancy between men and women. And I would imagine that when it comes to like surveying people and researching it and you know being asked that question, mm. a lot of people will lie. And I would predict that women would be more inclined to lie than men because I feel like it's more socially acceptable to have an affair if you're a man. Like, we almost yeah. have higher standards for women. It's like, why Why is that? I know. I, I, we do have higher standards. But, I mean, I'm I'm forever telling Gorka, I fancy people so much. Like, not, not like... <laughs> no, not like, I mean... I'm not, not like with people who, who, like, who I work with, but, like, Tom Hardy, I'll say it. I think Tom Hardy's gorgeous. And that's yeah, you gonna, bring him up quite a lot. I do. And he's my mental affair. Okay. And it's... 
that's not going to stop because I'm I'm partnered and I've got children. Doesn't mean I'm going to go and act on it. Do you know mm. what I mean? But I say to go because there must be some women in your fancy. He goes, no, not. And I think you're so lying. Well, Eva Mendes, look at her. She's stunning. He goes, yeah, yeah, she's okay. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong with it, Matt? There's, you must fancy Michelle Pfeiffer. You must fancy her. Not, not interested. Oh, not what about Margot Catherine. Robbie? No. Just See, he's the same as Gorka. He's, he's Catherine or nobody, and I don't believe that. There's a difference seeing someone and thinking, oh, they're attractive, and then jumping into bed with them. There's a massive <laughs> difference in that. Because he knows next year Margot Robbie's on Strictly. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine he, gets, he says Margot Robbie, then he gets partnered with her on Strictly. Emma, thank you so much for joining us on the Overshare. Now, your unconventional thing about you, it, it comes down to homeschooling, doesn't it? On behalf of most parents who were so relieved after lockdown to get the kids back in school, you've done the opposite. What, what are you thinking? What's happened? So when we decided to do it, it wasn't the plan. It wasn't something that had just that we'd been researching or anything like that. It was a spontaneous withdrawal of only one child. So our eldest, our son, um, he'd thrived all the way through lockdown and learning at home. Um, he'd surprisingly even become more sociable because he was actually wanting to socialise rather than being forced to socialise. Mm. Um, so there was that element. There was failings on the school part as well that were just not being fixed and I literally turned up on Wednesday and said get everything you're never coming back we'll deal with it and we dealt with it so we removed my youngest child my daughter and put her in a different school because she was happier in school and we started homeschooling my son. And how old is your son? So he's 13 now right. and my daughter's 11. He was in year five when we removed him. We're very child-led we don't simulate school at home it's more 50-50 academic life skills, balance. So anything that they're interested in at the time. My son was really, really interested in Titanic for a long period of time. So it was writing, it was researching, teaching him how to do his own research. We actually flew over to Belfast and took him to the museum and, oh, wow. you know, to see everything. We've created like an area in the garden where we grow veg. And that was a big topic for quite a while, you know, watching them plant it, grow it, look after it, eat it, cook it. So two years down the line, we also brought my daughter out when she was exactly the same age um, as my son as well. So they're both at home for the time being. Uh, my daughter's going to high school next September. Right. And that was something that we all decided together and just going to give it a try. Do, do you work as well, um, Emma? Do you juggle work as well? I do, yeah. Me and Dad both work. I work part-time. Um, and that was a main factor as well because during the lockdown, we were able to work from home in my company. So now I sacrifice a day at a weekend to go into the office and do my two days at home during the week. So, and then dad has the kids at the weekend and, you know, and we just, we just manage it. It's organised chaos, but it works for us. I, I assume that some people would be like, oh my good God, this is terrible. You shouldn't homeschool. Blah, 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 blah. What kind of reactions have you had and how do you manage like other people's opinions? I think nobody can have an opinion on somebody else's family unless you are living in that household. On the whole, the our whole family and friends 
know my son and knew right away that it was the right thing for him. They started changing him straight away. He was happier. He was, you know, like I said before, he was more sociable, which was so strange. Everyone's like, how do you socialize children that aren't around other children? And he chose who he wanted to be. We didn't mm. want to be with these people in the classroom. Um, we've had, when we go out, and the, you know children are normally in school like oh you're off school today you know just random people walk up to you and and start asking questions why are you off school and you know when we've spoken to most people they say oh that's great that's amazing well done you how do you do it kind of thing on the whole everyone's just been really really supportive and what happens with like you know with milestones like well did the school send you like gc like exam papers or things they have to do you get anything like no. that no so you don't have to follow a curriculum. You just have right. to prove that you're providing an adequate, um, you know, education. But we we follow things because my children were in school. They know the structure of school. There's other homeschooling families that don't have anything to do with, you know, table-based work or, you know, essays and things like that, like we do. But they know that and they they learn quite well with that. So we use resources like Twinkle, BBC Bite Size. We always say there's a, there's a little machine in the corner of your room in, in most houses nowadays. If you don't know how to spell something or you don't know how to do something, it's there, it can help you. Know? And these are where we've found technology really helpful. Instagram has been absolutely amazing because I've just followed hundreds of other homeschooling families and not one of them is the same. We're all different. We all do it differently. We all do what works for us. But I think a lot more people would do it if they knew more about it. What do their um, friends and think of it? Have they got like, because obviously I, I'm still good. My best friend in actually primary school is still one of my best friends now we kind of had the experience of growing up together do they still see the kind of best mates and are the friends okay yeah, with it they do yeah and we've my daughter's had she's just got a phone um which we do monitor and um, but it just lets her keep in touch with you know these close friends on what's happened she said oh are you going to high school where are you going we've applied for the same one and you know and this that, and the other and my son who's best friend was at the school that we withdrew from he still comes and we still see him and we still talk and things like that so they are sociable these yeah. other homes there's 500 people in our borough that are homeschooling at the moment so there's groups during the week at libraries there's meets in costa for mums there is things also set up in local colleges for them to do sports days i, I said to producer matt i can't say it's easy because it's not i'd be lying if i said it was dead easy everybody should do it because everyone's circumstances are different yeah. i always think of if you're a solo parent it would be really difficult uh, emma thank you so much for uh, for joining us you've kind of you've no, i've learned a little, a little bit as well that it's a lot to think about so um thank you for sharing uh, oversharing and uh, yeah good luck with it all thank you Now, we knew when we were asking for stories on what's a bit unconventional about you, we would get a lot of people telling us they sleep in separate bedrooms. Literally, we got so many. Emily messaged and said, we've been sleeping in separate beds ever since they messed up our new bed order and delivered two single beds as opposed to the double that we'd ordered. We're both in our late 50s and before sending them back, we looked at each other and thought... Why not? It's not as if anything else happens these days, apart from a good book anyway. Several times he's questioned if I really meant to order two singles. She said I didn't, but it's worked out so well. So that's kind of an accidental 
you know, separate room and it, it works. I guess when you try something and mm. you think, oh, this is actually nice, you just kind of go along with it. Yeah, I tried it once with my partner. Not tried it because he works different hours. Right. Um, and he started to just sleep in the spare bedroom. I hated it. Really? Yeah, I really missed him. I felt lonelier. I think for me, like the benefits of him being there are outweigh the costs. Aww. So I like him being there. But everyone's different. Yeah. And what works for one couple might not work for the next couple. Does, did your partner feel the same? Did he prefer, does he prefer no, sleeping? No, I reckon he prefers to sleep on his own. <laughs> actually, I actually genuinely think so. Really? And I actually, 51.4% of Brits apparently prefer to sleep alone. I, so I'm a slight percentage. majority. Yeah, but would you not miss Gorka like, in the morning? Not if I know he's only in the next room. I get quite hot and I don't like being spooned or anything like that. It's not just Gorka, it's any partner. I, I'm more than happy to have, have me me cuddles, me intimacy, whatever, and then say, right, you go, you go sleep and I'll go this way. Um, we also had a message from Claire and she says, hi, Gemma, if anyone can relate to this, it's you. Oh gosh, I'm worried now. It says, our dog was poorly a year ago and just wanted to be near me. So my husband moved into the spare room so Tex could sleep with me. I've never slept so well in my life. She said, the thing is, Tex made a recovery within a few weeks, but he's not yet moved out of our bed and my hubby's not moved back in. <laughs> I do relate to this. We have uh, two dogs. Now they can't get on the bed because they're too old, so they sleep next to my side of the bed between the cot and um, me. But when Gorka first moved up and first came to my house, I said, we've, we've got dogs. He's like, okay. I said, and they do come upstairs? He's like, what? I said, yeah, and they, and, and they do sleep in bed. And he went... Oh, for fuck's sake, he literally, he was, he was, he wasn't really like into it, but within literally, I'd say two, three days, he was, he was loving it. Even in the morning now, because they're not on the bed, as soon as I kind of like move or make a noise, I just hear this and it's Norman's tail going, he bangs his tail against <laughs> so the bed. Sweet. It's because he knows I'm up, he's like, yes, she's up, come on. And that makes me feel happy, it really does. What's a bit unconventional about you, Rach? Tell us your story. Well, me and my husband haven't shared a bed uh, for 12 years. It basically... Great. (laughs) (laughs) It started when um, we had our son. He just all of a sudden just started snoring. And and it's not just like, you know, you can deal with it snoring. It is next level snoring. Your husband, not your son. Your husband is not right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, yeah. My, My son's quite good at it, to be fair. He definitely takes after his dad. And it just got to the point where I was like, I, I'm savage. You need, just need to go. My son was an awful sleeper. So he was up all night. And then my, son, my husband's sleeping next to me, sleeping soundly, by the way. Not oh, yeah, they sleep through it, yeah. So I sent him up to our office at the time, which had like a sofa bed. And it was like the world's thinnest mattress, but he would sleep on that every night. <laughs> and it just kind of just went on for years and years and years. And then we moved house. And when we were looking at houses, I was like, we need a minimum of four bedrooms because I need my own room. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's quite common for a lot of couples, though, isn't it, Abby? Like, because they can, it doesn't mean you don't love them or anything. Or, I mean, it's just nice to, I guess, have your own space. And if everyone sleeps better in the house, everyone's in such a better mood the next day. Mm, I think it's like one one in four couples don't share a bed. Oh, one in four. There you go, Rach. One in four couples. And like 48% yeah, oh. of people, it's because of the snoring. So you're oh, not alone see, I'm in that. 
Can I ask what happens with with intimacy and stuff? Is it do you choose a like say like come in my room? But it's quite exciting actually. But it is exciting sneaking back to your room after. <laughs> No, because he's like, yeah, see you later then, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our main bedroom that he's in. That's got like our TV and we'll go to bed together and we'll watch TV or whatever. Mm. And then that's when the magic happens. Yeah. And then I'm like, right, I'm going to bed now. <laughs> There's a few school mums that I know when we've spoken on the school run and they sleep in separate beds because their son or daughter wants to get in bed with them. And it's just when you're when you're so so tired. I mean, I've I've been really strict with not having Mia in our bed, but there's been the occasion where you're so exhausted. Since since Tiago's come along, it's like you say that newborn phase. You just savage with sleep, like oh, it's yeah. horrendous. And I've gone right, just get in because it's anything for an easy easy life. And I can oh, see yeah. how easy it'd be to get into that pattern. So I've had to I've had to say no. But I do sleep better when I'm alone in the bed when Gorka's on tour I have a better night's sleep yeah um yeah same and he works um night not nights but he um he's a DJ so he doesn't get in sometimes so like two three in the morning when it was like back in the day it was just and we would share a bed or our son would be in our room it just didn't work because he'd get in late at night early in the morning it would just disturb us both so then being in separate beds, it kind of just worked for us as well. Our, our spare room is only for if we've had a row, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you can sleep in there tonight. But I guess if you guys have a row, it don't matter. No, it doesn't because I'm like, I don't even say goodnight, so I just go up to my room. Just slam your door. Walk the, yeah, walk down the corridor and that's it. Has, has your son asked you why you're in separate rooms at all? Does he not, not no, bother? do you know what? He hasn't. He's never asked. He knows, he knows that his dad snores because whenever we go away... It'll be like, mum, dad's keeping me awake with dad snoring. So I think he's just, I think because it's always been that way, he's just so used to it. He's never questioned it. No. My mum found my dad snoring soothing. There's nothing soothing about my oh, yeah. dad snoring, but she'd be like, I, I like lying there listening to him snore. Oh, like a white noise almost. Yeah. I can hear my husband snoring through our walls. Yeah. Oh, like God. it's that bad. <laughs> and it's like calling the boats in or something it's like it's horrific if he was to get his snoring a, a, like addressed because it must be something like you can i don't know if, if there was something you could do for his snoring would you would, would you would you share a bed with him is it just that or are you too I used would. to it now he's gone to the doctors and they said it's cosmetic so it has to be private oh. so it costs thousands of pounds to do it and i was like well and there's no guarantee that it will work so you're kind of like mm, we're happy sharing separate beds yeah <laughs> you know he goes to bed watches his fishing shows and I go to bed watching reels. <laughs> there are cons to it though. And it's interesting that you said you sleep better when Gorka's not in the bed. I'd say that I slept better, but apparently you don't sleep better separately in that we've evolved to sleep, co-sleep, so sleep with other people around. And this is great because it produces oxytocin, which is our bonding hormone. So if you're sleeping separate from your partner, mm. it's important to still make sure that you're getting that oxytocin hit. So sharing time together where you're laughing, making sure you're still having sex, making sure there's still physical contact. Because obviously if you don't go to bed together, yeah, that sort of stuff can like not happen. Also, oxytocin is meant to help you to sleep and have better quality sleep. So technically... You should sleep better with someone else there, but it's the spooning I don't like. I don't really, mind him being yeah. in the bed. I don't like being touched when I'm sleeping. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm touched in the morning. You know, like a cuddle in the morning, but like it's like and, and a cuddle before bed. And I think some of the best conversations that I have with my partner is just before we go to sleep. You know, when you're in that 
There's like a relaxed. strange headspace that you go into when you're nearly asleep and you could just be chatting to somebody. Mm. I find that really soothing and enjoyable. See, most nights I go into our room and Gorka's sat upright with his laptop on watching Spanish telly with his headphones on. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is the level we've got to. Um, but no, he, he he's a cuddler. He likes to you know, cuddle me and spoon me, whereas I, I get hot and I'm like, oh, mm. come on. Yeah, I'm like that. You've finished now, I'm move like, over. I'm like, I'm clammy, get off me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not good. It's me, you don't know. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Rach. And uh, thank you for oversharing. Lovely thank to meet you. And you. <laughs> See you later. you so much for your stories not just for this episode but for the entire series 10 episodes we've done it i really hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have we wanted to do something wanted to do a pod that put you lot center stage and do something a little different something that shined a light on your stories in your world and hopefully we've pulled that off now the series is finished for now but you can still get in touch whenever you want your direct line to us on the overshare is O double seven six one zero three nine eight nine eight. So you can give us a WhatsApp. Any topics or ideas or anything you've got for series two, do send them over. And you can always email us as well at theovershare at bowermedia.co.uk. The Overshare was produced by Matt Foister for Bauer Media. Matt, bye-bye for the... Uh, we've done it, guys. We've done it. Oh. See you on the next one. Thank you to all our experts who've appeared with us. Abby as well, thank you to you. Seven out of the ten. Are you going to come back for series two? Is that her rating? <laughs> I actually reckon I probably am about a seven out of ten. <laughs> Abby, you'll hopefully be back with series two. And a huge thank you... If you've messaged, emailed, tweeted, Instagrammed or appeared on any of our episodes, you've made it what it is. Cannot thank you enough for opening up, letting us in and oversharing. We'll see you next time for Series 2. Oh, that was fab.